think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shows me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the dead survive. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. Everybody, I want to thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Servant Leader Coach's Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited to bring to you another hour of growth, another hour of faith and servant leadership talk. And this thing can't keep going without God aligning paths to some amazing servant leaders. And today's servant leader, I'm super excited about. I try my best not to be biased but followed this young brother for a while. I'm just loving what he does and the amazing words and service that he brings. We have servant leader Chris Singleton with us today, a former pro baseball player. He's also a motivational and keynote speaker and an author, but just spending time to make the world better at different stops. A past servant leader connected us He said, yes, and here we are. So Chris, I thank you so much for your time today. I tell people time is that special gift because once it's given, it cannot be given back. So I thank you for being here. I thank you for a conversation that I know is gonna grow us. And so I'm gonna pass the torch to you. Just say hello to our listeners and we'll get this conversation started. Yeah, well, well, thank you for having me. Um, You know, when when you reached out, I knew it was an automatic yes. I'd love to do it. We just gotta make sure the times align and they did so. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, I, I call myself an inspirational speaker. I really, not, I don't try to motivate too much. I don't try to scream and yell and all that stuff, right? I'm pretty soft-spoken, but <laughs> I just want to share my story and my heart and hopefully it'll change somebody's perspective. Uh, I'm a husband, been with my high school sweetheart for almost nine years. Love uh, it. I've, I'm, a, I'm a father. I've got a three-year-old. I've got, then I've got a son on the way. Baby boy number two is on the way. We'll be here in September. So, oh, congratulations. I, thank you. Thank you. We're super excited. And, and I'm just, I'm just blessed that God's giving me opportunities and I'm just trying to steward them. And that's the thing. That's the most amazing part about it that I, I find that true servant leaders, they're not the ones that want to be in the forefront, right? Like God places us where we, where they find us, but we're not the ones that want to be in the forefront. We typically just simply want to do his will and just hearing fa- you being a family man, hearing that, congrats on the one on the way. I actually am expecting a little girl in October. So I'll be Congratulations. Here, you know, getting some little tips and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, for I love that, it. Man. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, and just getting this conversation started a little bit, I wanted to talk, uh, you know, a little bit about, you know, your pro career, your baseball career, right? You started playing baseball. You had an opportunity right, to take that path, you know, into professional sports. Talk a little bit about that journey, what got you into baseball. Most times people will look and say, oh, basketball, football, but what got you into baseball and helped you continue that professional career? Yeah, so I think for me, I, I, my, my parents, you know, were both athletes in college, right? My father played football, my mother played, or she ran track. Um, and so for me, it was like at a young age, I just was around sports. I love sports. And so they threw me in all the sports, right? Baseball, basketball, football, soccer. 
And I met my best friend at the time, TJ. T me and TJ were playing baseball, and TJ loved baseball, right? And so I was like, you know what? He's my best friend. That's what I that's what I love too. And so we started playing. I think we were three or four at the time. We started playing when I was super young, and I was coming up in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and then I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. And to be honest, this is the this is the first time I realized that not as many black people as I thought were playing baseball. You know what I'm saying? In Atlanta, it was an all black team. I moved to Charleston. I'm like, whoa! It was more of a culture shock for me. For sure. And so I was, yeah, I was playing playing here in Charleston, uh, just putting in the work. My mom always told me, hey, if you want to be good at something, you got to work at it. And so I would work at it. Uh, was was pretty fortunate to play at a mid major Division one school uh, in my hometown, where my great grandfather got to see me play before he passed away. Um, and then after my mother was taken away, I basically, you know, locked in and said, I want to I want to make her proud in a bunch of different ways. But one of the ways I want to make her proud is to also get drafted, uh, just like we always dreamed about when I was growing up. And I was fortunate enough to be able to get drafted by the Cubs in 2017. And isn't that a blessing how, you know, the foundation that we're taught by our parents, by our grandparents, I love how majority of the time and I tell people this to be true as about to be a mom, I'm not going to place what I've done on my child. I want her to explore and do all the things that she wants to do. You know, if she chooses to play basketball like her mother, great. But if not, I'm going to teach you those foundational skills that will help you in whatever you choose to pursue. But, it, you know, her telling you that if you want to be good at something, you have to work at it. I think that's such an amazing thought that some people will take lightly, especially this day and age. You know, we have young people who feel that when they watch the pros, right, these people just woke up one morning, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it truly does take that consistent hard work to be able. I mean, that that's a small percentage of individuals who get to make it to the pros. And I think that's amazing. And it does come from hard work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think sometimes even even now, being that I travel and speak at so many schools, right, whether it's middle schools, high schools, they'll see like a, a famous basketball player and they just automatically think, you know, it was just a piece of cake for him just because he's 6'8 or 6'6. And it's like, no, even at 6'6, six, six, he had to work his behind off to get to where he's at, you know, and, and I think uh, just talking about those things and letting them see, hey, there's a ton of different six, seven people who didn't make it to the NBA. Um, it definitely gives them the, the the appreciation for how hard athletes have to work to get to the highest stage. No, I totally agree. And of course, you mentioned, you know, your mom and what she's taught you and what she used to do. And of course, naturally, and as you and I spoke about and many people who have followed that story, you know, last week on the 17th, it's crazy, you know, and I'm sure not to you, but you blink and it's like, has it really been six years, right? Six years to the unfortunate event, right, of the taking away of nine souls, right, in Charleston at Emmanuel Baptist Church. You know, I cannot even put into words, right, that just story that even years later hits in a totally different way. Can you talk a little bit about what your mother meant to you? Can you talk about what she was? And of course, getting on the other side of this event that you probably never thought you'd wake up to see. Yeah, well, well, well first, I, my mom was everything. I was actually watching a video of her uh, preaching today. You know, I, I was I woke up this morning and I was thinking about her um, after I just took my little brother to uh, the playoff basketball game last night in Atlanta. And uh, I was just thinking about my mom and she, how she used to take me to games when I was coming up. Ended up watching her um, preach a sermon this morning just because I miss her. You know what I'm saying? And, and like you said, six years since she was taken away unfortunately because the color of her skin but 
man, she was she was my everything. And, and, I, and I'm still striving every single day to make her proud. Um, I think that's everybody, right? Everybody wants to make their parents proud. And especially once they're gone, there's a certain level of, you know, I just want to do it for them. Uh, Obviously, I want to glorify God in the process, but man, my mother poured into me so much. I want people to look at me and say, man, she did a great job raising that young man. And uh, yeah, you guys can see her uh, smiling behind me if you're watching. I was about Uh, to say, you're her twin. I see her back there. You are (laughs) totally her twin. (laughs) Yeah, if you're watching, you can see her behind me. Um, Otherwise, you know, she was always smiling. She was uh, God-fearing. She loved the Lord, but, you know, she she was all that and, and then some. And so... I miss her. I miss her every single day. I, I wish my son got to see her and meet her. Um, but I know in my heart of hearts that she's in a better place. And I think that's amazing. One of the things that I, I feel drew me to you, right, was that when something like that takes place in life, right, unimaginable, right, how do we move from that place And to be able to not only move from that place, but use it as ignition. Like you said, I want her and people to look at me and know like, yes, she she built that foundation. I am making her proud every single day. You also have moved on to inspiring others to be able to live a life of love and not hate in the midst of probably one of the most hatred acts that are out there. Can you talk a little bit about your message? And that's what I'm gonna call it right now, your message. Your message to the world that ignites love instead of hate, ignites unity instead of division while you're still grieving. Most people think those things end. It doesn't, not when someone has been taken from you and not from natural causes. So talk about how you move forward to preach that message, to speak that message and motivate that message when something like this takes place. And I, and I love I love the way that you use the word you move forward, because I always say that. Right. You don't move on from certain things, especially if they pierced your soul, like, you know, your oh, mother sure. being shot the way she was because of the color of her skin. You know, so I love that you said move forward because I have moved forward. Um, and I think to a certain degree, I never want to stop missing my mom. Right. I always want to mm, miss her. I like you know that. what I'm saying? I always want to miss her. Um, but for me, my message now is uh, love is stronger than hate. So. Uh, if I know we disagree on something, like which which is totally fine, right? I'm a, I'm gonna love you regardless because you're God's child, just as I am myself. Um, does that mean we agree on everything? Absolutely not. But at the core of who you are, you're a human being, and I'm a human being, so there has to be some level of respect that's there for one another. Um, and so that's my message that I have, and I just remind people because somewhere along the lines, we forgot that nobody chooses their skin color, right? Nobody chooses uh, their first language. And so we, we judge people based on things they didn't control, just like we didn't control them. And I'm trying to make sure people are reminded of those things. So uh, when we move forward and the way we teach our kids, we'll teach them the right way that we're all God's children. And whether we're, you know, green, black, yellow, white, red, whatever it may be, um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that that is one of the most amazing things. I tell people all the time that granted, yes, there's a lot of teachings that Christ asks us to follow, right? There's a blueprint out there if we study it for what he calls us to do. But I love how a lot of the motivational speakers that I listen to on a day-to-day basis, Christine Kane, Stephen Furtick, right? Joyce Myers, they'll let you know we make this thing very hard, right? (laughs) What Christ called you to do and asked you to do amidst all of the things. He says, hey, love me, right? With all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything that you can, love me. And then secondly, love your neighbor, right? And all 
sounds like and y'all have to excuse it if you can see i got a lawn person outside coming along so <laughs> hopefully but if indeed we can do those things to love our neighbor exactly what you said i can't control my skin color i can't control the language that i speak but one of the things that i love that you said you said i simply love you because you're god's child plain and simple yeah, and, and, I, and I think I think to be honest, I think we wanna we we wanna be united. Nobody wants to hate other people. Like that's just a bad thing to sit on your heart, yeah. you know. Um, but we we forget about certain things that that maybe influence us to believe what we believe. Maybe the people that raised us. And uh, you know, I always say I was privileged to have my parents the way the parents that I had. Right, great parents that you know poured into me every single day, told me I could be anything and do anything I want to do. Um, but I know I was fortunate. Right, not everybody has that. So. When I think when we remember things like that, we, we we stop automatically judging somebody based on their their current circumstance because we we may not know the backstory behind it. Um, one of the things I always say is everybody has a story behind their opinion, so we know where they stand, right? But we don't know the story behind it. There's something that makes them believe what they believe, just like the same reason you believe what you believe. And there's something behind that, whether it's an experience, whether it's teaching, or there's a story behind it. So, so we gotta stop writing people off. Uh, based on where they currently are and forgetting about what they went through to, to to believe what they believe. I love how you put that. And one of the things that I always say is individuals have a point of origin. And I'm what I mean by that is even outside of their opinions. A lot of times we'll see people and say, you know, she just always looks so angry, right? Or we'll already go ahead and prejudge what the outcome will be. And yeah. I'll case right we've been there that person that you can say good morning and it doesn't matter you're not going to move them from where they are yeah but there was always a point of origin there is something that caused that individual to not be happy all the time may seem disrespectful there's a point of origin and when we can meet with that place of empathy it changes your way because here's the thing you're not going to change people that's not your job but you can change the way that you react to it and I think that as servant leaders, that is one of the main things. And you said it best, right? Everybody has a story behind their opinion. And when we can take that mindset. It really does change that way of thinking and allow us to realize that still God's child. Okay. You know, my yeah. all the time. Yeah. Well, that's my child. Like I was yeah. like, sometimes I such as I such. Yeah, but you're my child. So I still got to love you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, people I say, you know, I, I, I love you. I might not like you all the time, but I still love you. You know what I mean? There it is. See, I'll hit the requirement. Now, that like part is kind of great. I'll hit the requirement <laughs> of loving you. <laughs> exactly. I think that's awesome, man. You know, of course, you've also written a book. You're an author, right? A couple of books, if I'm not. Yep, a couple of them, yeah. I was about to say, I try my best to do my homework. Talk a little bit about that transition, right? Because a lot of times people think about being an author. They think about writing these stories, but they never really put that pen to paper to let it come to fruition. Can you talk to us a little bit about the projects that you've written, what inspired them, and what you wanted uh, our listeners and those readers to receive from your work? Yeah, so I mean, like I, like I told you, over the last four years or so, I've been on the road speaking a lot, right? So I'm on the road anywhere from 100 to 150 days a year, um, sharing whether it's my faith, whether it's sharing with the company about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, uh, whether it's at a college, just empowering them to get through life's struggles, right? Like I did in college, like I'm, I'm on, on the road a lot, but I would never speak to elementary schools because I said, man, my story is so sad about losing my mom the way I lost her. Like, I don't want to take away a child's innocence, right? 
And uh, my sister would say, Chris, well, you have to keep spreading that message, especially to the young people, the message of unity. Um, and I said, you know what, you're right. And so we, we thought about how do I do that? And children's book was the answer. And so my first children's book, I literally said, I wrote it in 2020, well, I released it in 2020. I, I said to myself, man, hopefully I can sell a thousand copies because if I sell a thousand copies, you know, I'll make my money back. My wife won't kill me, number one, right? <laughs> number two, my mom, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. I said, then I said, my mom will also will get like a, it's like a gift to my mom. Cause it was on the five year anniversary of when she was taken away oh, and nice. I released the project. And this is the thing about when you just put something out there, right. I poured into this book. It's called different, a story about loving your neighbor, where a kid from Nigeria comes to the U S and he's picked on cause he's different at the end of the book. They celebrate him. They celebrate Nigeria. They celebrate the differences that every kid has. Like I, it's a feel good little story for kids. And I just put it out there to the world. And little did I know that God was going to bless that like I never thought before. Like I remember the first day there was 1,500 copies in the first six hours that were sold. And I, here I was trying to trying to sell a thousand. And uh, people have got it. The Obama Foundation got it, shouted it out. Different celebrities around the country have uh, pushed it and, and have supported me. So um, it's done it's done really well. And, and I'm grateful. Then my second book that just came out this year is called Your Life Matters. And this kind of stemmed from um, all the, the, the social injustices I was seeing around the country. And I didn't want to, you know, I, I wanted to be a part of the solution. What can I do to, to kids, especially to show them how much they mean to the world? And so I wrote this story, Your Life Matters, where I basically have different, uh, I call them black heroes, right? Like uh, Dr. King, like Malcolm X, like, uh, like so many different people that I've just poured into uh, young people and saying, Hey, you, you matter. I got Oprah in there. My mom loved Oprah. So I put Oprah in the book. Yes. Right? <laughs> and so, uh, Harry Tubman, just people just pouring into our main character, letting this little black girl know, Hey, your courage matters. Your, your words matter. Your knowledge matters. You matter so much to the world. Um, and your life matters. So that's the second story, the second book I wrote in, and that was done pretty well, uh, so far this year. I think that's golden. And please know that that is one of the things I'm working on right now is getting my little ones, my future little ones library ready to go. Um, and I think it's amazing too, because of what you said, it is literally keeping history alive, keeping our history alive, keeping individuals that she'll look at where your children will look at and young people everywhere will look at to be able to understand that literally the roads that were paved for us to walk. And to add to, right? Because it's not our job. I tell people all the time, it's not our job to just know that someone paved the road and we just walk on it. That's almost like going to the picnic and you don't bring anything, right? Oh, that's good. Uh, to add to the road for those to follow. And so I will be copping those for the library. Please believe. <laughs> I appreciate it. I like, I like that you said that though, because I even think like, you know, we always talk about how representation matters. Like if I see somebody that looks like me that's done this, like, man, I can do it. And then it's like, I can then also pave the way for somebody else behind me, you know? And Excellent. I think that that the latter part is important too, right? Not just that somebody's done it before us, but we can do it, yes, but we also can help bring somebody else along, right? Teach them things we might've messed up on and all that good stuff. So that's that's always, um, that's life. I'm pouring yeah. into people and I love it. I think it's amazing too, because just like what you said, I was listening, everybody that knows me and you listen consistently, y'all know that I love Christine Kane. I love a lot. Of, I have a lot of playlists of podcasts and speakers that I listen to and read their devotions all the time. But she was talking about this morning, exactly what you just said, that one of the biggest portions of leadership, especially servant leadership, 
is recognizing that we have to bring someone else with us. It's not enough that we lead and pave the way, or it's not enough that we succeed, but what, we're not going to always be here. My mom always said that to me, and she always says that to me now. I'm not going to always be here, but what I knew is that if I implant in you all, if I, she would say, when I clip your wings, you're going to be ready to learn how to fly. But it's our jobs to not hoard knowledge, to not hold that knowledge in, but to be able, like you said, bring somebody with us so they'll be able to carry the torch for those to come, for our little people, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. I know your mom was, of course, a pastor, and you have me intrigued now to add her to my playlist. As you said this morning, you thought about her and listen to one of her sermons. So you're going to have to kind of slide me one of those for sure. <laughs> um, but talk a little bit, take a little time to talk about that road to your, as the old folks say, your own soul salvation. And I say that for a reason, because all of our journeys were different. Some of us started, we were younger. Some people, you know, I have a friend that actually just confessed Christ, you know, a year ago, and is trying to work this thing out. It's not about when you start, right? It's when you get there. So can you talk to us a little bit about the foundation of your faith? And then that moment, as I always say, when I learned him for myself, not through mom. Oh, not that's good. When I learned him for myself. That's good. And I think a lot of people that are raised in the church, like I was raised in the church, by the way. So that means I was going to church, right? Sundays, Wednesdays, that's it, Wednesdays. Vacation, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, vacation Bible school, which is my, which is my, my, my wife is actually serving at our vacation Bible school. I love week. it. Yeah. With what my son's going to it. So. So I, we, I grew up in it, but but I didn't have that personal relationship, right? I just was praying when my mother was praying. I was praying when my pastor was praying. I wasn't reading the good book myself, right? I wasn't doing any of that until actually my mother was murdered, right? Once she got killed, it, it was literally the this, this spark that I said, I, I can no longer rely on somebody else's you know faith. And yes, I would have called myself a believer, but I didn't, I didn't pray by myself. I didn't pour into the word by myself. I wasn't uh, filling myself uh, with the things that I needed to succeed in life, right? Because life is tough. And, um, and, and that's when I finally started to have that relationship. I actually used to read my mother's Bible. She would read the Bible cover to cover every year. And uh, I would read her Bibles and I would see things she would highlight and I would pray on them like, man, Lord, like I, I see, I'm trying to figure out what does this mean to me? You know, I, and, and so that's when I finally started to have that relationship. And man, my, I think there's two ways you can go. I always say this. You, there's two ways you can go when your mother is murdered while she's praying in church. You can say, number one, you can say, there's no way God is real. You can say, God, I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but I know only you can pull me through it. And I went with the ladder and, and, I, and I can tell you right now, he's pulled me through it and he's still pulling me through every storm that I will face in the future. Amen. So um, that's, that's kind of how it all sparked for me. And I think that's awesome. I tell people, like you mentioned, that there's a story behind opinions. There's also a story behind when we found him. And I find that those stories are powerful. Why? Because there are people who still question their faith. And that's okay, right? Because I always tell people, if you're questioning it, there's still a chance, right? And yeah, for sure. Those that still have just said no and denounced it, there's still a chance. But for those that are questioning it, nine times out of 10, it is simply because that one, what you said, how we look at the situation that took place, right? And I think that's amazing how you flip that. You know, I tell people all the time, I was the same way. My grandparents, my mom, they had me in church. If it was open, we were going, right? If it was, we went and then it was an usher anniversary at three o'clock, we're eating and we're going back. That's just how. <laughs> but that point of origin or that story behind it was simply when, much like you said, I was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm. 
I'm a college athlete, I'm healthy, nothing otherwise if something small had happened to me. And it was in that moment, it an amazing how Christ can ordain a moment that is so hard and there's no one to help you but him. And in that moment, I was in North Carolina, first time away from home in a hospital room by myself. And it was like, okay, what you gonna do? I'm here. I know what your grandparents told you about me. I know what your mom told you about me, but I'm about to show you what you can know about me for yourself. And so I loved how you explained that and how you could have looked at it differently because some would take what you've experienced and rightfully so and said, no, there's no way that a God exists and this took place. There is no way that my mom could be taken in this matter in such a hated hatred act and God still be here. But to look at it the way that you did, I think it's golden. I think it's golden. Yeah, you know, and I think God kind of shifted my perspective to think that way. Um, and so I'm just grateful, man. I, I, I actually say this to my my, family, my brother and sister, right? Because I didn't lose, it wasn't just me that lost my mom. It was all of us. And I always would tell them like, man, I'm so grateful that I have faith because I know, you know, I, I, I believe that my mother is literally uh, in a place, her soul is in a place where there is no sorrow, right? There is no uh, pain. And so I would just say, even if I wasn't a believer, I would want to be, you know, I would want to be, even if I wasn't. And I would share that with my family, like, man, it's a, it's a good place to be in where you know that as a believer, the things that we go through on earth are the toughest things that will ever happen to us in eternity, yes. right? You know, uh, because on the other side, there is no pain, there is no sorrow. And so even if I wasn't, I would want to be is what I tell my family. And I thank God that he's uh, placed it on my heart. And now I can share the good news with other people. <laughs> I think that's so awesome. And it always reminds me of a song. Anytime someone kind of speaks in that manner that you did, my pastor loves it all the time. He actually introduced it to me, but on the other side of three, right? And I think that you put it so eloquently that everything that we experience here to know that, you know, Pastor Evan says it all the time. He says, you know, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. The word tells us that. We're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. And Amen. we get that perspective and understanding in that way, right? That this is, this is, it's going to get difficult down here. But just imagine where and what it's for, right? I'm living this life to live again. And I want to get that part right. And so I think that's amazing that you put it in that way, not only for you, but for your siblings as well. Yeah. And I, and I also like to piggyback on that. I always think like, no, no pain that we go through should be should go unused. Right. Because, you know, what I'm saying it should, it, you got to You can use it in so many different ways. Right. So whether it's pointing to somebody else when they're going through that, say this is what helped me get through it. Right. Or whether it's like this is now my testimony like there there shouldn't be it shouldn't go unused. Um, I think that scripture says rejoice in, in the time of suffering. And I'm like, how the heck do you rejoice? Uh, and then it, it talks about uh, uh, because it produces character and character produces hope. And I'm yep. thinking, my good, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that at first I didn't understand it, but now I understand that uh, when you go through something and you've been through something before, you know, that God has gotten through your life, through the last storm, he's going to get you through this one and the next one. And now you can Come tell on. somebody else, Hey, he's going to pull you through. So don't ever, you don't let that pain go unused is what I always try to do in my life. Look, I love that. I have taken that down. You will hear me use that in future episodes. You will get your credit, but I love that. And this <laughs> we were talking no prior to about that continuous professional development and spiritual development. That is amazing. Don't let your pain go unused. But how often do we do that? Even when we're not paying attention to it, right? I yeah. used to feel that 
in leadership roles and even just in my day-to-day life, I'm not really a sharer, right? I keep things kind of under the radar. I move kind of in silence, as people say. But what I learned is that when we do that, right, when we only show people the glory moments, as I say, and not the story moments, that's when we miss our opportunity to minister to somebody. That's when we miss the opportunity, right? That literally could be that teetering between I believe and I'm not sure, right? Because when we start to do that, I tell people it's the the social media culture where I could take 30 selfies and post the one of my choice. Yep. (laughs) Right? That's not life. No. If we allow individuals to be able to see the negatives that were damaged, we allow individuals to see the snapshots and selfies that were blurry or my smile wasn't right. Could you just imagine how that would shift somebody else's perspective? Don't let go and use. That's good. Powerful. For sure. Goodness. I love that. You know, in speaking of that servant leadership piece and a lot of the aspects of servant leadership, we see people a lot of the times talking more and more about it, which I love that, right? It takes on so many different meanings and that's fine. I love that too. Um, But I like to hear from individuals who are being servant leaders, even if they don't call themselves that in action, to just talk about the perspective. I tell people, you play baseball before, right? And even now where you're not playing it every day, I'm sure there's a bag somewhere that if someone called you to play a game, you'd be ready. And I know in that bag, if I saw some cleats, a bat, a baseball, no one has to tell me, hey, you know, Chris plays baseball. I can use my context clues to be able to tell that, you know, you're going to see me, my knees are bad now, but you're going to see a basketball in my trunk. Like it's going to stay there. It's going to always be some shoes in my knee brace. No one will have to tell you Chelsea is a hooper. Chelsea plays basketball. We can see that. One of the things that I'm trying to do within this platform God has given me is to make servant leadership look that same way, that individuals can see it in action and say, oh, that's what servant leadership is. Because a lot of times we'll say we don't have many servant leaders or people are leading wrong. It's not intentional, though. They haven't been given the blueprint. So if I, I always talk about the servant leaders arsenal, that's kind of been my theme of this second year that we've been embarking on. If we had this bag in the trunk, like you would have to play baseball and myself would have to play basketball, but it's a servant leader bag. What would you say some of those attributes of a servant leader that Christ has called us to be? What should some of those tools or kicks look like in that bag of a servant leader? Yeah, I think number one, you have to be humble. I think you you can't you can't uh, think that you're bigger than or greater than anything or anyone, because once that you know once that once you get that big head of thinking that it's you and not him, um, you, you're not able. You don't want to be a servant leader. You think that people should serve you, and I think that's a scary place to be. Um, number two, like I think with with me and my faith. I was just, I was just at this uh, leadership conference with some guys from around the NFL, some executives, and you know one of the executives I'm not going to say his name, but he said every believer should have uh, different things, different uh, scriptures they're ready to use for people, right? Come so here. you know what I'm saying? Like when somebody's feeling bad, you should be able to say, "Boom, I got this one in my toolbox for you." Boom, I got that one in my toolbox for you. You should have your scripture. This is what I this is what I needed the most, and when I was down bad in my life, and this. I read this and it pulled me out of that storm. Like you need to have certain things ready for people because as believers, right? They're, they're looking at us when we smile. They want to see why, why are you always, why are you smiling? What are you smiling about? Wait, why you feel, how do you feel good after you've gone through so much turmoil in your life, Chris? And I get to share with them the good news, right? And so for me, I think those are the things that every servant leader should have is just 
they're, they're ready to be able to respond to that adversity um, and help somebody else through it. And uh, you have to be humble um, because at the end of the day, life is very short. I've seen that both of my parents didn't get to see 50, right? My grandparents didn't get to see 60 years old. So I know how precious and, and, and you know, fragile life is. And so the moment that you get a big head and think that you're bigger or better than somebody else, life has a, a or God has a silly way of humbling you, right? Um, I think it's Uzziah. I can't remember the, I think it's Uzziah in, in, the, in, 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 the, in the Bible who gets humbled. Um, and it just has a, a funny way of whenever you think you're greater than, life shows you that you're not. I, th- I could not have explained it any more perfectly. And I'm going to talk on this for a second. And you also helped me segue into what my next question was. So I'm sure you'll be ready, which is great. But I think it's amazing. We always hear, and I've always been taught a pride comes before a fall, right? And mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, you know, I don't, it's like that song. That's why I loved it so much. Sit down, be humble. You can't forget who brought you here. You, people always hear me say, it's not about the positions on this platform, right? We've, we've had a lot. We've had individuals who have been in so many leadership roles, right? Great capacity. Some of our favorite coaches and athletes have been on here, which is great, right? But at the end of the day, we can't forget who positioned us there. And I think that that's the disconnect. So I think you saying and reminding us that humility has to be a part of that. I think one of the most amazing pieces is when you can watch someone be so successful. I tell people all the time, Janet Jackson, right? Now I don't know her in her personal life, right? But Janet Jackson sings and does all these things, dance, amazing performer. And then when you interview her, it's like, what did you say? Speak up. Her voice is just so, right? And a lot of times the same thing even with you. You're like, well, you know, I speak and I'm an inspirational speaker, but you're not going to catch me yelling. You're not. And nine times out of 10, that's the servant leader's way. Why? Because we're humble. We're just on the mission. I'm watching Travelers right now on um, Netflix, just catching up on different things. This is summer and I'm a teacher. And one of the things about completing the mission. And I think about that when we're so focused on, okay, Christ called me to do this. We're so focused on the mission. I don't have time to, you know, really be boastful about it or get out of my way. I have to focus on him to lead me all the way to see that mission through. So I think that's golden. And the other portion that you said, which will lead me to my next question that was coming for you anyway, my grandparents put it that same way that that executive did. You have to always have a scripture in your heart, right? I live in Florida, Chris. And so, you know, this to be true. And Charleston has actually gotten, you know, hit with some of these hurricanes as well. So it's coming, it's the summer. So I'm not waiting until the weatherman says, hey, hurricane such and such is on the way. We're making sure we got batteries, we have water, we have all those things. Mm and prepared for the storm keeping a scripture and a word in our hearts does that not only for the storm but for individuals who may cross our paths that may need them so in your heart right what are some of those scriptures that you can lean on that when something kind of gets you off balance it's there to remind you and echo you that god is still god yeah well i'll I'll give you my the number one that kind of uh you know gets me up in the morning the one that Help me through my biggest storm. And I, I say this, that God knew my heart when he gave me this scripture, because I actually had a really good game after I was reading this in my, in the Bible, right? I had a really good game. And so I was like, whoa, I'm going to start reading this one every game. Like, okay, you, know what that's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, man, I got to read this every game if I play like that. And so I did this my whole freshman season before my mom was taken away and God was preparing me. But the scripture is Proverbs 24, 10, and there's two translations, but one of them asked the question and I'll, I'll uh, say the, the one that asked the question. It says, if a man falls in the, 
falters in the day of adversity, how small is his strength? Proverbs 2014, it says, if a man falters in the day of adversity, how small is his strength? And I think for me, um, as, as a, I know who I get my strength from or where I get my strength from. And so when adversity hits, there should be no falter, right? I may get sad. Yes. I may be upset. Yes. But I know whose I am, right? I know who, who has put me here on this mm-hmm. earth. And so um, I, I will not falter in that. You know, I will not wither. I will not grow weary and well-doing because I know whose I am. And I love, love, love that scripture because, you know, people always say this to me, well, Chris, if, if God is real, then why does bad stuff happen to good people? It never says that bad, you know, God never said that bad things won't happen to us. The joy that I find is that I, I know where my rock is when I need to lean on it, right? Okay. Whether it's nobody else is around, it's just me, it's, it's me and my thoughts. I know who, where I can go, who I can pray to, like, because Jesus has saved me, you know? I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so when I get sad, when I get upset, I have that rock. And and that scripture literally was one that changed my life. Um, and I and I, I owe everything to God because he knew where my heart was at when I played that game. And so I'm just grateful that I had a really good game against Clemson and we beat them. So I said, I kept writing that scripture everywhere else. I think it's golden though. And I think that that's the most amazing portion because he is, I tell people, he is that server who has worked at the restaurant for so long that they can look at you, right? Or ask you just kind of, what are some of the things you like? You like sweet or you like some heat? And then they can give you exactly what you wanted. It gets to the table and you're like, yes, that was on point, right? He knows, I think you said it best. He knows the posture of our hearts and in the moments that are best to enter, infiltrate and place them there. And so of course he knew what scripture you needed. Not only that, but I love the one that you picked because adversity is ever flowing. It is a consistency to this life. You're not going to get out of it. Yeah, you're not going to dodge it. I don't care who you are. I always say I'm God's favorite and he spoils me, but that still does not mean, right? That I'm not going to have adversity. He does. He just (laughs) does. I feel like he sees my name and it's like, okay, that's my girl. Let me go ahead and get it. (laughs) No doubt. But But it's not for a lack of adversity that comes, but I think you said it best. It's like, you know, that song, I love the preacher's wife, but I go to the rock, right? And it starts out that, that that verse, it says, where do I go when there's nobody else to talk to? Who do I turn to when nobody wants to listen? And who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I go to the rock. And so even when adversity comes, when I know whose I am, that's what you, right there, that was the key piece. I look just like, much like you do, I look like my mother, okay? And I look like my grandfather, our genes run very, very strong in my family. And there was a pride. There still is a pride that comes from when people pinpoint and say, you got to be Vicki Johnson's daughter. You have to be James Meese's granddaughter. It's a pride that comes from it, right? That that says that I, I'm had because of what they left for me, right? They were my rock. So when you mentioned them, I'm securing these places where their names have been spoken. Just imagine the security. If we have the security and knowing I can lean on the rock, right? Because I know who I am. I know whose I am who I belong to. And there's a security in that when you know him, when you know who I belong to, and he's able to get me outside of that adversity, that makes everything okay. Amen. That's golden, Chris. I love it. (laughs) You know, one of those things and I can only imagine with you and you hear me say it's golden all the time, right? My godmother was saying that the other day and I laughed and I was like, (laughs) I know how much I say and it's intentional, but it literally does come off of one of my favorite scriptures where it's so easy 
where it says it's so easy that we can find the dirt in someone, but be the one to find the gold, right? And that's really what my way of work within this platform is, is to create and pull out the gold and so many of our best servant leaders to help us be better and help us to pull out the gold in ourselves. But you speak in so many different engagements. You're on the road, your husband, your father, right? You're preparing to be a second time father, right? And so I can only imagine what that schedule begins to look like. I can only imagine how sometimes you probably sit there and it's like, woo, the day starts and it's like, I have this, 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 and this to do. We talk about being physically fit and going to the gym. We talk about being mentally fit and that mental stamina, mental toughness, but spirituality and spiritual fitness is one of those things I like to introduce and continuously talk about on this platform, right? Everyone has their routines and their regimens, right? What are some of the things that you do on a consistent basis, right? One of the things I pride myself on is making sure my mornings start off without a hitch. And that comes from a routine. What are some of the things that you do to remain spiritually fit, even when your schedule gets so busy? Yeah, I I love the fact that you um, have the routines that you have. I wish I had more routines, but I'm on the road so much that it's like some days I got to be up at five. Some days I don't go to bed till five. You know what I'm saying? So because that 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 alters, um, number one, my family, I have to make sure that I I spend time with my family, whether that's a FaceTime when I'm on the plane, the person next to me, like, I wish he would be quiet, right? I got to talk to him. You know what I'm right. saying? I gotta I'm gonna hear my conversation today. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I I gotta talk to my family, have have some uh, family time. Uh, number two, uh, I'm in a small group with my my pastor at my church, um, Pastor Brandon Bowers at Awaken Church in Charleston, and I'm in a small group with him. And being that I'm on the road so much, sometimes I don't get to go to church. Gratefully, we can we can stream it, right? That that's always an option. But having that uh, personal connection where we can talk about things in our small group is something that always builds me up. Um, and I love listening, man, YouTube is a great place, man. You can, you can, you can find so many great sermons, right? Pastor Furtick, right? You can have Robert Madu, uh, Derwin Gray, like so many different pastors that are just phenomenal. I believe, um, that, that you can listen to sermons from years and years ago. So there's always a way for me to be built back up spiritually, um, when needed. And I think that's it. I, I, I really do love the pandemic reminded us of this right you literally can enter the church of any place any time any country that you wanted to and I loved how I was able to come out of my norms right to be able to experience and be introduced to you know some such amazing leaders to get that word and you're right our routines definitely can be broken right with and mine definitely is going to be shattered in a few months right and so to be able to do that. But one of the things that you placed in there that I love so much, uh, many of our servant leaders, but one of which, his name is Willie Spears. He speaks about this all the time and it's winning at home. And I love that, that you are able to recognize that I don't care how busy I am. I have to take care of home. Mm. I'm sure that no matter where I am, that I'm leading at home. Cause it doesn't make any sense if I can lead and go inspire other people, but at home, I'm not doing my part. Can you talk a little bit about that leading at home aspect and how that foundation of being a man of God helps you also lead your family and be the leader of your household. Of course. So um, I, I, one of my favorite speakers, this is, I say this quote to my wife. I say this quote everywhere that I go, a guy named Inky Johnson, um, I-N-K-Y Johnson. Love and Inky. 
Oh, he's phenomenal, man. He's one of my friends. Now, I actually, one of the reasons why I started speaking professionally is because I would watch his videos. And I'm like, man, I got to make somebody feel like he just made me feel, right? And now that we know each other and we're connected, we spoke, we've spoken together. We're going to speak together this summer. Um, it's phenomenal. But he says this. He said, the, the worst thing a person can be is a public success, but a private failure. And I thought, mm -hmm. man, that is deep, right? Yes. So, so everywhere else, people think, oh, Chris is doing this. Oh, he's doing that. Oh, financially, you maybe have this. You maybe have that. But if you're not being a great husband and a great father, you're not winning at home like, you're, like, like the uh, other servant leader says. And that's becoming a public success and a private failure. And at the end of the day, I can't look myself in the mirror if I'm a public success and a private failure, right? I know God didn't put me on this earth for everybody else and not to serve my own family. And so that for, for me, that's kind of what uh, pushes me to make sure I'm super detailed with my calendar because when the day is over, the day is over so I can pour into my family or uh, finally just saying, you know what, I know I'm grinding, but I need to take some time here and there. Um, so yeah, that's definitely huge for me. I think that's golden, right? And not only that, I, you're going to have to let me know where I can stream in or tap into where you all speak in combo because that's going to be insane. I already know that to be true. Love Inky, love what he does. I know the world is truly just made better by each time he opens his mouth. I listen to his podcast. He's a part of my routine too in the morning. Serendipity is a part of my playlist. So I think that's awesome, Inky. Um, but I think that's golden. The worst thing someone can be is a public success and a private failure. And, and that extends even out to not just males. That's all of us, right? We can oh, work no. hard to, like I said, those glory moments, right? But then, okay, what happened in the frames and the negatives that you didn't produce that other people didn't see? And I think that is so golden that, you know, it's almost like the scripture that says, what profit a man to gain the whole wide world and lose his soul. Well, what is it going to help me mm. to but to help everyone else. I tell you this, I mentor and coach young girls. But when I tell you I'm about to be the best mentor to this little person, right? there's no way that I'm going to be able to graduate and mold and help and assist other people's children. And I don't make sure I take care of home. That's not happening. And so I think that's golden that you put that out there. That's golden. Definitely. Come on, Chris. I, <laughs> so I told you, I knew I was going to grow today. You know, one of those things that I tell people is that a lot of times, yes, this world has opened back up. And for a lot, you know, the pandemic is just kind of, you know, a distant memory. But for some, the lasting effects are still plaguing individuals, right? Jobs were lost. You know, faith was shaken because of the things that happened. You know, lives were lost. Loved ones were lost. And so coaches, professional athletes, leaders, we're literally working day by day to build ourselves back up right, to build ourselves back up in a place to try to lead individuals, and we're weary, right, so I tell people all the time, you know, we can't serve if we're continuously on E, so if I were just to reach in and grab, like, just an inspirational message, a one-liner for us leaders, right, as we try to work to get back to normalcy, I'm about to start with my young ladies, college coaches, pros, and everybody. I've seen them this past week with their first days of practice. You know, what would you say to encourage us leaders to be able to get back at it, right? In a new norm. And then to face the music that this is a new norm, but not shy away from that or fear that. Yeah, I think one of, one of my life, uh, the things that I 
pride myself on um things that I've always one of the things that I've always kind of used to push me forward is you know there's a small percentage of our lives that we we simply can't control right stuff is going to happen to us we can't we can't maneuver it we can't jump over it we can't like we have to go through some stuff unfortunately whether it's the pandemic where some people lost their lives some people lost their jobs like certain things we we didn't see coming we couldn't control them but the greatest thing that I always say is it's not about what happens to us it's always about how we how we respond to it right and I always say respond because if we just react to something that might be saying something we know we shouldn't say right that might be uh hitting something if we're uh, okay. upset right you know what I'm saying like we just react and we may not fully get out what we're supposed to get out of that moment. But if we respond to our pain, if we respond to the things that we went through, right, there's something we can learn from that and grow, grow from it. So as we get back to, uh, you know, our, our normalcy, like we're, we're our new normal, right? I always try to think, well, what did I learn from what I just went through in 2020? For me, I learned that I, there's so much more time I could be spending with my family right? Because I was home for so long. And I'm like, man, I love this, right? So for everybody, there's something we could have pulled from it. Maybe uh, for, from another thing for me, it's like financially, I need, I need to make sure that financially, we're always set and stable. So there's no hiccups. If I'm not on the road for a year or two, like, mm. we'll, we'll be always be okay. So there's something that we can pull from it. We just got to figure out how can I maneuver my, my perspective to say, okay, instead of what was me, and I, I went through this, I went through that, it's like, okay, well, what did I learn and how can I make it make it make me better? I can't. Like that is powerful and I love it, right? Because so often we do. We react immediately, right? Uh, I took Latin in high school and I was just, what I would tell myself even today sometimes when I want to react, I'll say lapsus linguae, a slip of the tongue. Don't do it, right? It's about <laughs> okay. the power in the tongue, right? And, and, and that kind of reminds me that once it's out there, you can't get that back. No. If we respond, we truly have taken an extra moment, right, to be able to be intentional about how we're going to get over and how we're going to handle this situation. We're going to get on the other side of this thing. I love it. You know, Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes, she was on a week ago and we were talking and she said, you know, that adversity that you mentioned and a lot of those hard moments that we go through, she said, I'm an athlete by nature. It's just what we do. And we don't get out of it. I don't care how many years removed from the actual playing yep. sport. It's just always in us. And she says, I like to think of those moments that as you respond, uh, reacting to or responding to, but I like to think those moments that uh, adverse situations as conditioning. And she said, mm -hmm. we remember conditioning, right? She said, we all remember conditioning. If you played, I don't care what stage in your life, you knew that conditioning is not something that you look forward to. You knew that it was hard. It was tough. Nine times out of 10, it was early in the morning if you played college sports, right? And it just was never ending. You were going to be sore. You're going to be tired. But what you knew is that when game time came, when you knew is when season came, you were stronger. You had more endurance. You had the ability to be able to stand up for the task. And so I love how you place that react versus respond. And I think that we all can definitely jot that down and place it and implement it in our lives to ensure that we're leading in the right way. Because what what worse thing can we do than to be servant leaders and we're reacting all the time? Yeah. Who learns from that leader? And then sometimes, like if we're just reacting, we may we may be looked at as a hypocrite, right? Uh -huh. if, you know what I'm saying? If we're leading, if we're supposed to be leading in a certain way, 
and we're, we're reacting in ways that we wouldn't want somebody to lead us, right? Mm-hmm. Then we become a For hypocrite. Sure. And that's that's something we never want to be as servant leaders because even in the title ser- servant leadership, I think we are out there doing what we say we want to see other people doing, right? We're not just yeah. uh, saying it and not doing it ourselves. Um, we're doing it. Come on. I love that. You know, and, and again, another great segue, you know, as we begin to kind of close this thing up and I'm going to get you back to your day because uh, I don't imagine what your schedule looks like versus mine, but there are two qualifying questions is what I call them. It's the two questions, almost like you walk over coal into the servant leader family, right? We're enshrining you into the family. And these two questions, um, as our listeners know, they help us bridge the gap, right? It's those defining questions to the pod. And I love it because both of them we've talked about and hinted on already today. And the first, which is something that I do a part of my routine in the mornings. And it's something that, you know, when you're on the go, this is really good for you. And you probably already do a rendition of this, but I love it. It's my God is devotional for myself. And like we talked about before, the storm comes, adversity does hit, right? There's nothing we can do about that. But what you can do is understand and remember who God is in all of it, right? Because you mentioned what I always say, the same God that got me through the last storm, he's the same God, right? When I'm riding the wave in the midst of this one, he's going to get me on the other side of it. And so I like to say God is, and sometimes I write this, sometimes I use it just in my mental Rolodex when I'm getting up in the morning. And I'll just go off on a tangent. God is this. God is that. And I'm going to say this and that because I don't want to give away something you may can use. Um, But sometimes I'll get so carried away, Chris, that I'll have to stop myself. And it reminds me that he's never ending. Like, so while I'm worrying, look at all the things I said that he could be. And so if he could be those things, why am I worried about this one little thing? Today, you don't get a long list of. You get one. So if I had an imaginary board right here and I wrote, God is, and I drew a blank, how would servant leader Chris Singleton fill that blank? God is what? I would, I would probably say God is uh, forgiving. Come on. Is what I would probably say. Come on. Yeah. Forgiveness has been huge for me and my story and my life. So when I think about the God that I serve, um, we're all sinners saved by grace if we've taken that step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe in a forgiving God, right? And so uh, how can I not forgive if I'm already forgiven? So God is a forgiving God is what I would say. I love that. I think one, it is so powerful, so fitting. It is something that all of us truly do have to take a, <laughs> a look at, right? And again, it's one of those things that we talk about in the beginning. It sounds so simple, right? It's one of the hardest things for us to do. But then we say exactly what you just said. God's a forgiving God. He forgave me. He forgave me. He forgives me continuously. No matter what I do, right? No matter when I don't listen, when he tells me to go left and I go right, because that's just what we do, right? Yep. <laughs> to be humble, as you mentioned earlier, as servant leaders should, and I forget who positioned me there. And I just kind of ride my wave of pride. He forgives me. And so in that moment, I have to remember that if I serve a forgiving God, he forgives me. I have to also ensure as a servant leader that I'm giving that forgiving grace to someone else, even when it seems unimaginable. That's amazing, Chris. My- That's good. That's good. And of course, this is the servant leader coaches Bible study where, I mean, again, I tell people all the time, you may see that little caricature back there of me and three stripes, but at the end of the day, 
this is Christ driven. I'm just literally blessed to be in this seat to lead it. But servant leadership has taken on so many tolls. It has been hurt a lot, as we mentioned earlier, and I'm glad about that. I really am. But one of the things we want to make sure of is that servant leadership, understanding that we lead as Christ has asked us to, right? And of course, we know Christ, he's, I mean, he's the blueprint of servant leadership, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. As we build this long but true definition, as we continue to add hours to this podcast to help people grow in servant leadership, I'm going to ask you, servant leader Chris Singleton, if I were to ask you, servant leadership, two words, what does servant leadership mean to you? Servant leadership means to me, um, I'd probably say setting an example is what it means to me. It's setting an example. Yeah, that's probably what I would say. That's what it means to me. Just setting an example of how I should, how we should live our lives, how we should pour in other people, what should be, what, what we should be doing, how we should be doing it. Uh, you got to lead by example. That's it. And I mean, I think sometimes it's just like you said earlier, we can make things so hard, right? And they're just that simple. And I believe that at the end of the day, it is setting the example, right? Because servant leadership, I tell people this, yes, leadership is leadership. But if there was not a serving component or an action term in front of that, servant added, right? There was added for a reason. Leadership has been out there. But when you add that component of servant to it, to serve, that's an action. Mm. It's not a stand by your leadership. It's a not do as I say leadership, but not as I do. So it is set an example. It's saying that as this leader, I'm going to show you I'm working beside you. I'm going to show you I'm behind us moving this ship. I'm going to show you that even if I need to mop the floors because someone didn't do it and I'm the head coach, I can do that. Right? example like you said earlier i don't want to be a hypocrite i don't want to say i'm the leader but then every time they look around i'm doing something completely different from what christ has asked me to and what the mission of the goal was yeah yeah that's good i want to i want to share one more thing because i feel like please do as, as god continues to bless us as god continues to move us forward in our careers right in ministry whatever it may be um, i was at this leadership conference this past week with nfl guys you know nba guys scouts and uh there's a quote that i wrote down that was really good and i want to share with you before we get off it says uh pride is spiritual cancer it will cost you everything and leave you with nothing one more time pride is spiritual cancer it will cause it will cost you everything and it will leave you with nothing i think as we continue to you know rise right? Get bigger roles or better roles, whatever it may be. Remember that pride is spiritual cancer. It will cost you everything and leave you with nothing. Chris, that's powerful, man. That is so powerful. And the craziest part about that, as soon as you said it and I wrote it down, I got it down now. I've learned how to like be ready when I know y'all about to spit some fire. (laughs) But that first thing that got me is that spiritual cancer. Hmm. And we know what cancer does. I mean, I'm a biochemist, right? But layman's terms, it attacks our cells. And then what does it do? It spreads. Yep. And so we have to ensure that, like you said, it will cost us everything. 
and leave us with nothing. That there's nothing to say on that one, Chris. That's it. Thank like you. I dropped my mic if I didn't need it. <laughs> Older, my brother, that was golden. I man, I can't thank you enough just for being you, uh, just for what you do in this world. So so many people would have stopped, right? For things great and small that came and pained them. So many people would have decided not to trust and lean on the rock. But you, Proverbs 24 and 10, you recognize whose you are and you chose to rise above the adversity. And I thank you for being guided by what Christ has called you to do because it's making people better every single day. I've been made better in this hour. And I just appreciate you just for coming on and making us better today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. So before you go, we got to cover you so you can bow your head real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for another chance and another hour just to be better and just to do better, Lord God. We thank you right now just for a spirit of being better, a spirit of not being a cancer, Lord God, a spirit of being in public, Lord God, and private success, Lord God. We ask right now a special prayer for Chris Singleton and his family and all that he touches. Give him the strength Lord God, the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to be able to continue to lead as you would have him lead. Be with him and give him the endurance, Lord God, to be able to make us better in each door that he walks in to speak and empower and grow, Lord God. Touch his books, Lord God, that they can go out into the world and help those that buy and purchase to be better, Lord God. Bless this new one that's on the way, Lord God, that you bless he and his wife with to make better. Bless his son, Lord God, to be able to be that big brother, Lord God. And all the listeners that are listening, bless them, Lord God. Be with them. Strengthen them at their point of need because you know even when we don't know. But most of all, Lord God, we ask as always that you help us to be lights. Help us to illuminate so that those that may not know you can find you. And your son, Jesus' name, will always pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Chris Singleton, you are now a part of the Servant Leader family. We welcome you in. So proud to have you. You're increasing and strengthening our ranks. We thank you. Anything we can ever do, all you got to do is reach out. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Take care.